Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the last lap podcast. Season 3, episode 2. Uh, is episode 2 The Phantom Menace? No, no, that's Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah, and isn't The Phantom Menace episode... No, is it, it is episode 2. Yeah. Is it? No, it's episode... No, episode 1 is The Phantom Menace. You yeah, can see how I, much I cared about that first set of three films. I didn't... I've, I'm not a Star Wars man. <laughs> Fair dues. Well, this podcast is nothing to do with Star Wars. It's all to do <laughs> with Formula One, thankfully. So uh, on those on that score, we should be all right. Um, I'm your host, Andrew Pearson. And alongside me, as always, is the font of all knowledge, Sean Gray. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, that's uh, quite a compliment. I'm not sure I agree with it, but... <laughs> I'll take it. I'm trying to big you up before the start of the season here. You know, as new listeners come to the podcast, they they might as well, you know, start off with a good impression of us both, and then it can go downhill gently as they get as they listen to more and more episodes. Meanwhile, the old ones go off and go, "What?" (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. So we are, but uh, five days. Is it? uh, Yeah, five days. Yep, five days. Yeah, and even. I mean. With the time difference as well, it's like almost feels even closer. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true enough. Um, yeah, the season opener uh, mm-hmm. in Australia shall be upon us uh, in the very very near future. Um, so tonight we'll be looking at uh, how testing has gone for all of the teams leading up to uh, the Grand Prix weekend, uh, and then also having a quick look at uh, the Grand Prix itself and what we can expect from that season opener. Um, it's been an interesting testing, um, very much like last year, I think, in that um, everything was a little bit shaken up, I think, again this year. There were lots of different things happening for different teams, and that's, uh, that's always at least interesting in, in that you know that teams aren't having the same season again and again. You know, there's improvement or, or sliding back. You know, you know, Lotus were up one year and then down the next, and maybe they could be better this year, maybe not, and all those bits and pieces. And I... Uh, I'm hoping it bodes well for an interesting season. Oh, I hope so too, because there's no doubt that whilst last season started off great, oh, it's no longer Red Bull, we've got somebody else winning races. I don't think anybody would deny that it kind of tailed off a little bit towards the end in terms of entertainment and excitement went. I mean, obviously the driver's battle between Rosberg and Lewis was pretty good to most of the way right towards the end, but... It did become a little bit of, oh, it's Mercedes again. Just a little bit towards the end. So, yeah, hopefully we get um, something. Hopefully we spring a few surprises maybe this season. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it wasn't all that long ago when people were complaining about having, um, what was it, um, seven winners in eight races or... Eight winners in nine races or whatever. Yeah, well, I was not one of those people. I no. loved that. That's what I want to see, you know. So, I, I mean, even Pastor Maldonado winning a race, that's what you want from your F1. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> okay, well, we'll give him that one anyway. Um, so, no, yeah. uh, well, speaking of the reigning champions, um, let's start our review of testing uh, with Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg uh, and Pascal uh, Vierlin, I think his name is pronounced. I'm not entirely sure. 
who got into the car for one of the days because both Lewis and Nico were not feeling the best. Um, more mileage th- than um, anybody. Fastest time set on not even on the very fastest tyres. Uh, and apparently they only used one engine for the whole of testing. Wow, that's impressive. I hadn't read that stat. That is impressive. Because uh, they had bulletproof reliability almost. You know, They were doing 100 laps a day without breaking sweat. So yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's impressive. Um, I'm sure one of the other teams did it as well. And I, and I don't think it's a top team. I think it might have been somebody stupid like either Sauber or Lotus did all of their testing on one engine. I can't remember. Might have been Lotus. I'm sure it was another Merc, so that would rule out Sauber, wouldn't it? Um, well, yeah, Lotus have got the Merc in the back of the car these this days, season, don't they? Yeah. So. Uh, so I think it might have been Lotus. So that's that's. There's at least two teams I think running Mercedes engines that ran the right, same well, engine. Yeah. Right away, the Mercedes engine looks <laughs> bombproof. Then doesn't it? If yeah. you can do that. So. Yeah. So. Um, ominous for those guys rocketing around with a Ferrari or a Honda or a, a Renault in the back. Mm. Ominous signs. They looked, they looked just, they just looked great, didn't they? I mean, what more can you say? It was, I mean, we know it's only testing, but you know, you kind of you're looking at the time and you go, "Oh, Vettel's going well. Oh, Massa's gone really well today. Oh, that's really good." And then the second the Mercedes turn up, even the slightest wick, they went straight to the top of the timesheets, didn't they? So, yes, it was ominous signs. Dominant doesn't even really begin to describe it. Really, it's um, just to be able to to turn up and just do exactly what you wanted with little to no hitches. Uh, I think they only lost track time a couple of times and they were both uh, driver mistakes. Um, I know Lewis went off once and I think Nico might have uh, gone off once. Uh, and those are the only two times I think, think the Merc wasn't running because it didn't want to, if you see what I mean. Yeah, um, I mean, that's what's more scary than the outright pace is the reliability when we're still dealing in an era where, you know, Teams are still finding their feet. We've had a full season now with the new regs, but it's still kind of finding their feet. To be able to, like on the very first day of testing, they did 100, 100 laps, I think. Mm. <laughs> it was just like, okay, we see how this is going to go already, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, when, you're, when you're concentrating on doing your race sims whilst everybody else is just checking to make sure that the engine actually starts up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there you've you got to go. be worried if you're a competitor, really. Um. Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton dueling it out for fastest times. Nico won in the end by a, a two or three tenths. Um, obviously, that's been picked up by one side of the fan base as uh, a sure sign that Nico is ready and prepared to win the championship this season. Uh, whilst the other side of the camp says that it's just Lewis sandbagging and not showing his true pace whilst uh, he's uh, waiting to negotiate his contract and stuff, and that he'll, uh, as soon as he's got it signed, he'll turn the wick up. There you go. That's just- I suspect that it's probably elements of both there. I suspect that it probably isn't. It's testing. You're not going to be given it all like in the same manner you would be if you were going for pole position in the last minute of qualifying, or if you were uh, going to win the championship. Of course, you're not going to be as flat out as or as intense as you would in those moments. But at the same time, I don't think. I think Nico will also be ready. You know, he's gonna he's gonna bring it. He's, He's going to have taken time to get over the the disappointment, but he seems like he's got a pretty. I know at times last year he was a little bit um, not 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 the most likable, but he seems like he's got a fairly sound head on his shoulders. So, I'm 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 pretty confident he'll be 
he'll be there. He'll be if he'll 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 get the best of his ability anyway. His ability might not be good enough to beat Lewis. It probably won't be, but he'll he'll ha he he won't be under par. He'll be certainly to his own his own ability. Uh, very mixed fortunes in the personal life of, of both drivers across winter testing. Um, Nico announcing that he will become uh, a dad. Um, I can't remember exactly when. I think it might have been September. I think they said that the baby was due. Um, whilst at the same time, Lewis Hamilton was breaking up with Nicole Scherzinger again. Again. <laughs> um, interestingly, on uh, on Facebook, on a couple of uh, groups that I uh, occasionally post in, um, a lot of people were suggesting that somehow Nico Rosberg becoming a dad will uh, slow him down. It worries me as well. Not for any logical reason. I don't have anything to go on. I've just noticed in sport occasionally over the years when in any sport, I've noticed new fathers tend to go off the boil a little bit. Maybe it's, uh, you know, mind on other things, maybe a few sleepless nights back home, whatever it is, I don't know. But I've noticed a few times in sport that new new fathers' performances dip a little bit. So hopefully Nico, that doesn't happen to him, who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, people were saying this. I mean, I must be, I'm in the camp of saying, uh, I don't think it's any kind of given... Uh, and shouldn't be seen as a thing because most of the guys in Formula One in the past, less so these days as the age of the driver goes down, but most of the guys driving about um, were dads during their racing career. You know, there were world champions who were fathers. Um, Schumacher was a dad when he was winning. Uh, I think Mika had, had family when he was winning, although ultimately he retired to uh, spend more time with his family rather than than risk stuff but still he won back-to-back -back world championships whilst being a dad I just think yeah of all the sports I think Formula One is kind of I don't think it gives you the time to dwell yeah, that's true you know if you're a footballer or a golfer or, or anything like that you've either got masses of downtime or the sport you play allows your mind to wander I don't think you can have a wandering mind if you're an F1 driver, unless you're past the Donado possibly, but uh, um, whose mind wanders into other people's side pods. I was going to say, he, his mind is wandering more than it isn't wandering. Where <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody's mind might wander for a split second, he concentrates for a split second and the rest <laughs> of it is nothing. <laughs> yes, concentrating on uh, where his car is spinning off to, possibly. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't buy that particularly. But it was funny that nobody seemed to mention that Nicole and Lewis splitting up could be in anything other than a benefit to Lewis. Well, I think that too. I genuinely think it's probably a positive. He won his uh, world championship with, with her though, didn't he? That's, yeah. Like both of his I'd... world championships, they were together, weren't they? Just, just reading between the lines, you know, he seems to have split up with her to focus on F1, so... <laughs> it's like, know. well, what was he doing last season then? Dear God. <laughs> well, yeah, his mind true. was 50-50 on his racing, for goodness sake. <laughs> Everybody's got to be worried then. I'm, uh, I'm surprised that he's split up with her, because he kind of looks like he enjoys that, you know, going to the parties and the ceremonies, and, you know, he's got the earrings and the nice clothes and that. I thought, I thought it seemed to suit his sort of lifestyle, that, you know, celebrityness, but... Yeah. Well, Fair the only thing he's he's really into his music, um, and I think that's what she kind of opened up as a gateway to him. 
So it's a bit kind of rough now that he's hanging about with Jay-Z and Beyonce and Kanye and all these kind of people that he's just gone, right, love, sorry, don't don't really need you anymore. I'm I'm speaking to the A-list. You can go back to being a part-time judge on the X Factor or whatever. I mean, at the same time, though, this has happened at least twice, three times, yes. I don't know, before. So, yes. you know, take it all with um, a little bit of salt, shall we say. I don't even know who broke up with who. Not that I care yeah. particularly deeply, uh, but... Well, I don't particularly care either, but it, 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 I did notice it. And apparently, she wanted to get married, and he said, I'm too busy being a Formula One world champion. So <laughs> so that was kind of the end of it, I think. She was wanting to get married, and he was like, not now. Formula One world title to win. Can it wait a couple of seasons when I don't have the best car ever? And then that was it. I think that she said, well, no, it's now or never. And he went, well, it's never then. Bizarre. Bizarre. Yeah, as, but... if, as, if, as if being married was somehow some massive preoccupation. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I think I read a quote from him that said uh, he was sick of going to family get-togethers and they were all saying, when are you going to pop the question? He was getting pelters from Nicole's family, apparently. <laughs> so right. I think... I thought uh, I, I read that as his own family. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, he's, he, I think he said like he just didn't want the distractions of all of that. But like you, like you just said, he was won the world title last season with that kind of thing going on. So <laughs> who knows? Um. So Mercedes makes us worry for the season ahead. Mm-hmm. Their nearest challengers, then, would you say Williams? Uh, I mean, it could be. Uh, I like the look of the Ferrari as well. It's between the two of them for me. Uh, so who should we? Who? Which team shall we? I would say. Next? I would say Ferrari. Okay. But well, you through would. You're my... <laughs> a biased person, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just think they've looked. Do you know what it is? It's because my expectations were so low that. This, the small positives we've had in testing have been almost accentuated because I'm going, oh, wow, this isn't as bad as it could have been. Like, this is quite good. It's like that. It's kind of like they're now Arsenal and coming fourth in the Premier League, you're expecting worse. So this is actually quite good coming fourth. It's a bit like that now. Whereas, whereas I know deep in my heart, it should be better than that. It should be, they should be challenged at the very top. But because they've had such bad seasons the last couple of seasons, a little bit of improvement is seeming like a lot. Of course, and then you've got Seb coming into the car for the first time, who looked who looked quite good in testing. So, I think I think for me, if I was having a bet without Mercedes, if you completely forget the Mercedes, I think Sebastian Vettel would be the one to be on. What do you think? Um, I don't. But <laughs> what do you reckon um, then? Uh, I think Ferrari have a good chance of coming third this season. Um, I think they can certainly challenge uh, Red Bull for that kind of third place position. Um, they seem to have got the car going fast. Um, both drivers are both saying that the car handles very well and Kimmy's saying um, everything feels a lot more comfortable than it did the previous year. Um, so that's all good good signs. And they, you know, they were still um, uh, fourth in the championship anyway. Um, so there's, I don't see if, if the, they're moving on I think the only people they've got a chance to overtake is really Red Bull. Um, they were not reliable, particularly. And um, they certainly showed flashes of speed, but perhaps not outright pace, if you follow that logic. So 
I wonder if the car is fast for a Grand Prix as opposed to a skinny fuel uh, super soft tyre testing lap here. Yeah. If you if you kind of see what I mean. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be. It certainly wouldn't be the first. Uh, think of the think of the first car that's been that's been not great in qualifying, but with better race pace. Oh, I, I wonder if it might be the other way around. Oh, you think what, you you think it'll be a quick qualifier? I'm just thinking of maybe perhaps like the old um, Toyotas. Mm, could yeah. could dial it on for a single lap, but um, in managing everything across a race, perhaps not so quick. Um, that's that. That's what I wonder. It will be interesting to see how well they do in Grand Prix. You know, um, I if they'd regularly topped the time charts or regularly come second, then yeah, I, I'd be like, okay, you know, maybe there's something in this car. But they they peaked early and never really quite reclaimed being that fast again. Well, certainly everybody else caught up with them in short order. So I wonder if they slightly flattered by being out, be able to get the feeling that they could go out and do the fast runs before everybody else, whilst everybody else was doing race sim and um, shaking down the engine. And so it's given us a false impression that the, the Ferrari is actually very fast, when it might just be a good improvement, um, mm -hmm. but not the leap forward that maybe people think it might be. Um, Time will tell. I think they've got um one of the best driver pairings on the grid absolutely um it will be interesting to see what sebastian does in the ferrari um given how much he clearly hated the rebel of uh last season um it will be interesting to see what he does in a car that's uh not as aerodynamically uh astute as the rebel um but has other qualities probably to it that the Rebel didn't have and whether actually maybe he will find something new in his driving style that the Ferrari oh. will unlock. Um, That's right. It's a good point, yeah. It could, it's almost make or break for him. The ne not this, this season, but next season as well. If he has a poor season this season, people are going to start, you know, the, the oh, he only won because of the Red Bull mm. brigade. It's going to go... It's going to go supernova. I mean, he absolutely has to beat Kimi this season, really. That's oh, absolutely. The, Especially after getting so comprehensively done by Ricardo last season. Yeah. And then Kimi getting so poor in the Ferrari last season mm. by Alonso. That's, I mean, yeah. I mean, the pressure's on the pressure's on Seb, really. He's got to hit the ground running. Yeah, Kimi's already stated that he's not, you know, he's happy to walk away from F1 again, which we all knew it's not. It's not news to anybody, is it, that Kimmy Kimmy marches to the beat of his own drum? Um, so what's what does he have to prove? He has to just go out there and enjoy his racing and um, you know race for himself. That's you know probably the best position you can find yourself in 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 terms of being in a fast car but with no expectation and no pressure on your shoulders. Whereas Seb, you know, he was the big move. He was the catalyst for everything happening. So there's a lot of I think expectation from Ferrari that he will make a big difference and their gamble is that he can do as big a difference as Alonso has been doing in the Ferrari for the last you know sort of five seasons yeah I mean I don't think you I don't think he'll beat his teammates whether it be Kimi this season or whoever next season 
as easily as Fernando did. And I think Seb's very good, but I think Fernando's still that little bit a little bit special when it comes to that ability to eke the the performance out of a poor car and drag it up the up the order a little bit. Where I don't think Seb will have that. I think if Seb's gets if the car's good, Seb will 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 be right there, but if it isn't as good, I don't think you'll have the ability to drag the performance out of it like Fernando did, which is probably Fernando's greatest strength among many great strengths. His ability to drag a dog of a car is second to none. So that would be a worry for me if if the Ferrari, as you have hypothesized, isn't quite as quick as it perhaps looks. That would be a slight worry for me that there's that they don't have like neither Kimi or Seb will drag it. I'm just I'm just touching the wood and hoping that it is is as good as it looks. Yeah, I can't see them having a bad season. You know, let's not me. I'm I am not prophesizing doom and gloom for the team in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think yeah. I mean, I think we can both agree it'll be they'll improve. I think yes. it's a question of how much of an improvement on last season. That's does it the does it leapfrog any other teams in terms of? Yeah. of I think it will. I think. I mean, like you say at the start of the bit here. I mean, I'm obviously a Ferrari fan, so. I'm looking. I'm looking as optimistic as I possibly can be, but I don't see why why they can't come second behind the Mercedes. I think I put Williams, Red Bull, Ferrari, even McLaren, like all these teams. I, I, they've all got an equal chance right now to me at being second, depending on how they turn up in Albert Park and depending on how they develop the car throughout the season. They've all they're all equally as capable of coming second to Mercedes at this point for me. Mm. And just based on testing, I say why not Ferrari? Yeah, they looked good. So. Okay, so let's move on to uh, Williams uh, then. Um, driving for them during testing. Um, oh, I should have. I didn't mention the test driver for Ferrari, did I? Um, his name was completely forgot. Uh, completely left me. Um, I'm not sure either. It's not Gutierrez, was it? Because they signed him, but I don't know whether he was. Um, test or reserve driver well you know what I mean the Anthony Davidson of Ferrari or whether he was the uh, sort of backup driver because they've got Pedro De La Rosa don't they does their testing but he I'm sure he definitely didn't run John Eric Verne is working for them and so is Gutierrez so if anybody I think it was Gutierrez because I'm pretty sure Jev has been doing Formula E isn't he or he, well, he has been doing Formula E, so I wonder if that means he's not been working with Ferrari at the moment. I think Jeff might just be doing like simulator work and stuff. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, according to the internet, however accurate that is. So. Um, yeah, anyway. anyway, moving on. Uh, Williams, uh, Valtteri Bottas, Felipe Massa, and uh, Susie Wolf um, when she isn't crashing into Felipe Nazza. Uh, <laughs> or vice versa, I should point out. Um, understated testing, I think, is the best thing you can say about that. Um, Quietly gone about their business, yeah. They've done a lot of laps. They've shown good pace. Um, they've been reliable. Um, so why am I not enthused about their season? Is the mere fact that they haven't gone out to do stonking laps and impressive glory runs maybe that it's either a sign that they haven't really moved the car on very much 
or that they feel that there's extra performance to be had and they didn't feel like they needed to give that away in testing. I don't know. Uh, they certainly came closest to uh, matching the Mercedes, um, but they were still, I think it was seven tenths off. I suspect that's maybe more to do with the Mercedes than the Williams, but... Oh, true. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I get that feeling as well, though, that they're just... It's kind of... I mean, I was feeling this way a little bit last season about Williams as well. Like They're just there, but... They seem to lack, I don't know, a spark or something that, that suggests that they're going to... Uh, where is the evolution coming from, you feel? You think that Ferrari... Um, McLaren, Mercedes, Red Bull to an extent could really evolve a car um, if they needed to. If they needed to make radical design decisions, they could and they could test and get it out and and do something with it. And I don't, I just don't kind of get that feeling from Williams. I feel like there's a really good core engineering team under there who's done an amazing job of, of packaging that Williams and, um, and and getting the most out of the engine, but. It doesn't seem like it's ever going to sparkle. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit of a rough diamond. I do. I do get that feeling. Um, maybe it's just because they've been so dormant as a force for so long. It is hard kinda, to. It's hard to picture them as being the top team that they were. Yeah. yeah that's... Until they actually start coming out and making you. We've mm -hmm. gotten so used to just assuming the Williams is going to be and they, and, they, and, and also <laughs> ran. So, so you know, you've got that pre, preconceived uh, image of it, and until they really force you to go take notice of them, it's difficult to. They're always going to just go under the radar a little bit, maybe. I don't yeah. know. That's kind of the way I'm feeling about them. Like, I'm struggling to buy into them as a top side. It's a bit like a, so... a Newcastle United, isn't it? A sort of long dormant force. Yeah, but that the, you can never feel you can quite you could quite trust to really go on and do anything major, although the potential seems to be there. Yeah, but at the same time, if they hooked everything up together, they might be a genuine contender almost. Yeah. Hmm. Um. And they're all and 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 capable of doing it, you know, yeah. on any given day if if if, if luck swings their way. That's again to me, like you know, even though Ferrari were so quite obviously worse than Williams last season, Williams had a much better season. You, you do, you just get that sort of impression in your head that if either the team is going to really kick on, it would be Ferrari, and and for the same reasons McLaren versus the Williams. I hope, I hope I'm not. I hope I'm right about Ferrari, but I'm hoping I'm wrong about Williams in general and that they have just... I hope they have a stonking season. I want everybody to have a stonking season. I want great racing for everybody. So, mm. uh, yeah, maybe we'll be sitting here in three months' time and going, yeah, we were a bit wrong about Williams. They are good. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm finding it hard to place them at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Uh, and I think the thing is, is that... I'm not. I'm only fifty percent stoked about their driver lineup. Yeah, like I, I was think Valtteri Bottas is really, really good, and I like Felipe, um, and I wish he him well. Doesn't excite you, but does he? Yeah, he feels like a nearly ran. You know, yeah, he had I one agree. real good shot at it and then didn't get it, and then was never anywhere close ever again. Um, and yeah. I know part of that wasn't his fault. That's 
before somebody calls me up and points out that uh, <laughs> they took a spring to the head in Hungary and that rather curtailed his uh, his charge. But you know, where's it? Where where is it going to come from now? Um, you know, it, it's. Yeah, you get that feel. Like, I agree about Bottas. I think Bottas could be the real deal given time. But you kind of get that feeling that if Bottas has an off day, it isn't going to happen for Williams. Yeah, I get the feeling of, of Felipe Massa that he's going to be like a sort of René Arnoux, who's a you know a really talented driver, does some really great things, kind of came close once, uh, and then that that was kind of it, that the career tails off, and, and that was it. And... The problem for Felipe since he's, well, you know, post the accident is it's one good race every few mm. rather than one bad race every few. Yes, he's you know definitely I mean? not consistent. Whereas Alonso or, you know, Vettel or really even younger Bottas, guys really. like Ricardo or Bottas, yeah, the, the younger guys, they're generally good and they might have a really off date and come like 14th and spin it and everything goes wrong. But that's the that's the anomaly, and the rest of the time they're solid. Whereas Felipe seems to have that every week, and then one week he'll be second, and you'll go, "Oh, Massa's had a great weekend." And that's the problem. It's it's, yeah. it's it's the other. It's the wrong way around, isn't it? Yeah, he got that. Um, he got the random pole, didn't he? Um, last that's season. That's it. That's and the best like, you could oh, use. That's random, really good to yeah. see from Felipe, but then he didn't do anything it. with it, and then he didn't have a, a string of other, you know good qualifiers or good races so it was rather that's what's let him, and that's what cost him his seat at Ferrari as well it's his lack of consistency because Alonso is Mr. Consistent yes. so it made him it made him look like even perhaps worse than he was because Alonso was like clear, showing what someone who had consistency could do in that car I can put this car 5th and 6th every week so why you Felipe come in 11th and 12th every week kind of thing yes uh, and then suddenly surprise us with a 3rd or yeah, something ridiculous and then, yeah, and then it, yeah exactly it's that's the biggest. That's the problem with Massa, and I just feel like at this stage in his career, it's it's going to be that way forever until he, until he's done, you know. So, and you're right. When you look at the Williams team, you want to. That that kind of that kind of driver doesn't excite you. Doesn't say that's going to be a team that's going to, push on. They're the they're the team that's going to like. If you're Mercedes looking over your shoulder, you aren't frightened by Felipe Massa driving no. the Williams, are you? If no. you see Bottas absolutely stonking them in putting mm. mega lap times in as you're trying to eke out a stint or something, you look in your mirror and see Bottas coming and you go, oh, this, this young Finnish mega prospect is stonking laps in. That's a bit worried. If, swap the drivers and it's Felipe and you go, oh, it's just Massa. You know, I yeah, could probably deal, I could, I could deal with that. You know, we can, <laughs> we can handle that. And, that's, and I'm like one of Felipe's biggest fans. You know, I love Massa. I've, I mean, I've always... I'm a big... I'm a, you know me, I'm a fan of the, the genuine nice guy. But like... Yeah, it's, that's. I, th I think he's perhaps. I don't want to force him out the seat or anything, but you know, <laughs> a year or two maybe, and then he can, he can go join Rubens in the television set in Brazil. I think probably. Yes. Um. So moving on from Williams, then the team that came third uh, in the championship last season, uh, Red Bull. Um. I am a fan of the black and white camo livery. I'm very annoyed that they didn't carry that over into the season after everybody said it was awesome. Yeah, it is minted. There's no doubt about it. But it doesn't really fit in with their 
their marketing philosophy but, of the Red Bull brand, is it? But the is Red that, Bull card doesn't look anything like a can of Red Bull because Red Bull's silver and blue, and that's true. <laughs> there is no silver and blue on that car. It's red, true. yellow, and purple. <laughs> you feel like they've missed a little bit of a trick in not making the car exactly the same colour as the can, don't you? Like, well, that just, seems like the obvious thing to have done in hindsight, now it, looking back. like Why didn't they do that? It is really weird. <laughs> I've always thought that. I've always been like, that, that isn't a Red Bull colour. I don't understand why... <laughs> why you would do that um but somebody did a mock-up of the camo livery but with the shades that they use in the normal car so okay. it would be all of the squiggles and bits and pieces but with that livery on it and it looked oh it was orgasmically good looking um and you know how much it pains me to say that about a red bull um <laughs> and i was just thinking oh that wouldn't be great if somebody in formula one took a chance with a livery and did something really interesting and yeah, that's the one biggest problem about liveries at the moment. They're all just very, they're very safe. Silver, aren't they? everything is freaking silver or uh, black and grey or something yeah. along those lines. Boring. I want to see pinks and yellows and bright greens and stuff like that. I, like, see I want stripes and patterns and things done to look aggressive. You know, yep. it, I don't want to have a, a black and silver McLaren with red pinstripes up the nose. It's just boring. It's, it's so boring. I really hope they change that livery. There was, I don't know, I heard Ron Dennis say that they would, but I don't know whether that's ever materialised. Uh, I think he said he would He would if they got a title sponsor that mm. paid the money to make it worthwhile. But he then later said, title sponsorship is dead. Nobody's putting that amount of money that a, an actual title sponsor would put into Formula 1. He was saying that uh, an old title sponsor would put in 20 million, or sorry, 20% of your team's operating capital from that title sponsor and that's what it would be worth um and just nobody is going to do that these days nobody's going to put in that amount of money into a, a formula one team on the whim um just for some sponsorship so it's not even worth yeah i mean that's that's uh, goes back to a complete you know different topic conversation that we'll have and have had many times and to do with the money and the finances and stuff I don't see why they can't still have a good livery, but um, yeah, just because you don't have a title sponsor doesn't mean you can't have a good livery, Ron. But, um, no, and Red Bull have even less to do that because they are their own title sponsor. So yeah, um, it literally wouldn't make any difference what they painted the Red Bull or the Toro Rosso. They could do whatever they want, make it as cool as they want. And ironically, wouldn't that be the better marketing strategy if you could say, True. well, we might not be winning championships, but goddamn, our car is the sexiest car on the grid. That's true. No. So, uh, anyway, um, Daniel Ricciardo and Danny Kvyat, or Daniel Kvyat, Fiat, uh, I think, um, backed up by Carlos Sainz Jr. Um, no, not Carlos Sainz Jr. because he's gone to Tarasso. Uh, who's the reserve driver for Red Bull now? Oh, okay. Answers on a postcard. Uh, <laughs> um... Mm. It's probably Sebastian. Oh, it's uh, Buemi, isn't it? Yeah, I was just gonna say it's probably Buemi. Yeah. Um, they showed again, showed glimpses of pace here and there. Um, they didn't suffer the terrible reliability that they did last testing, but they were still not good. Um, the car was breaking be... down at the end of the pit lane an yeah. awful lot. 
Uh, an awful lot of that trundling down the garage and just not getting anywhere that you see in testing and having to wheel the car back up and that costed you five hours of your day kind of thing. <laughs> um, I, oh, well, having Daniel Ricciardo having stonked the uh, uh, fastest lap in an F1 star in a reasonably priced car on Top Gear recently, I... Uh, yeah, I watched that episode. It was excellent. I'm not even. The, I'm, I like Ricardo. I'm not his biggest fan in the world, but I don't mind him. And that was good to see. It was good fun. Um, so yeah, I think they've got they've got a special talent there. Certainly, Kvyat. Well, I guess we'll have to see. He showed glimpses of being pretty quick in the Toro Rosso, um, but he did make an awful lot of mistakes. Um, and whether he's Fair. got the head to manage a Red Bull, do you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Interesting to, interesting he's to very see. Much, uh, very much in the time will tell button, isn't he? I mean, I think he looked like he definitely could be quick. I didn't know whether he would have the, the race craft and the, like you say, the the mind to to do what needs to be done throughout the races and manage stints and all the different setup type things. Certainly one lap pace, he looked like he could be could be quick to very quick. Mm. Um, I don't know whether. It, I don't think he's. I don't think he's probably ready, but their their hand was kind of forced by Vettel. So, uh, the biggest thing for me is that he gets time. You know, you don't take him out of the car after one season if it doesn't quite work out. You can't. If he's going, he's going to make mistakes. Uh, it's inevitable. So. You need to you need to back them uh, and back your driver. If you're going to put a kid in the car like that, you can't then give him the bullet the second something goes wrong. You have to you have to show faith. Otherwise, you're just going to end up with another another one of many on the scrap heap, and then another one in the car goes to the same thing. So if they've they've made the call to put him in the car. They just need to back him now. And if he makes mistakes, it's going to happen. The good thing is Ricardo looks the real deal, so hopefully the pressure's off him in that way. Hopefully Ricardo will be doing so well that it gives Kvyat a time to settle in. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see if he gets more than one um, one season in the Red Bull. Although quite who they get in to replace him, really, given that they've uh, replaced both the drivers uh, in Toro Rosso with uh, inexperienced drivers. It's not somebody who's going to come up next season. Uh, again, I don't think uh, that's but... the that's the crucial one for me. I think, like I say, even if he has a pretty average season or worse, you, you have to keep him again, and you have to give him time to develop. That's that's pretty pretty much true enough, isn't it? Really, there's no um... like you say though. The the the, the guys beneath them in the hierarchy at Toro are inexperienced as well, so hopefully he'll get that time. So. No, I'm 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 pretty optimistic about about Fiat's future. Do you think um, think the Red Bull then, in comparison to the Williams and the Ferrari, what do you reckon? Slower, quicker, it's, roughly the same? I think it will be slower than the Williams um, in race trim. Uh, I think it could be a quick qualifier, possibly, um, but I think it would just be faster than the Ferrari. Uh, I just in, in race trim. Yeah, I just not convinced by that Ferrari, are you? <laughs> I just 
in just it's just that um, McLaren did the same thing last season in testing. Is that they had a few real quick times in the first couple of tests, um, you know, and then didn't show anything else for the test. Had a, had what would appear to have been a very lucky race in Australia, and then nothing for the rest of the season. So I worry that you know again. Um, Ferrari have, have tested things that actually they kind of knew the car was capable of doing um, mm -hmm. and that when it actually gets on track it may not be as good I'm not saying it'll be as bad as the McLaren was last season um, but I'm just yeah like I say I, I just I'm really 50-50 on whether it's a very big evolution um, an interesting thing about Red Bull Ferrari uh, and McLaren and I think possibly Lotus uh, they were all teams who had very long noses um, when they came into testing and all the teams have been desperately trying to build a shorter nose version of their own of their cars but they're having trouble getting their nose to go through the FIA crash testing um, I can't remember if it was Ferrari or Rebel were reported very recently to have failed an FIA crash test on a new nose. And it's those kind of little bits and pieces that make me think, well, if you're if you're kind of scrambling for that kind of thing now, you must feel that there is a a dearth of performance that can be magically pulled back by by harnessing that piece of technology. So uh, I think if the car was really good they probably wouldn't be doing things like that. Or they certainly wouldn't be scrabbling for it in the, in that way. Um, mm -hmm. That's a sound theory. So I guess that brings us nicely on to McLaren. Um, well, I guess it does if you assume that they're going to come fifth in the championship this season, which uh, <laughs> is not a given in any way, shape or form. Um, I, I, have, I have some hope that the season will not be as terrible as testing was because the season you know, that Rebel had when they were terrible at testing... Once yeah, they, they were... got the gremlins out of the way, the car was actually very good. Yep, that's uh, true. I like the packaging of what McLaren have done. It's really aggressive. Um, one of the most aggressive that's on the grid. You just look at how the side pods scoop in uh, at the, as they are sort of attached to the uh, the floor of, of the car, essentially. Um, and there's barely anything like it on the grid. The back is tiny. Um and unfortunately, when you, you go and change a design philosophy, these are the kind of thing that's going to happen. And uh, lots of people were saying, oh, well, Honda have had a, a, a year to develop this and blah, blah, blah. Shouldn't they have gotten this? And it's just like, well, it, it's one thing building a, you know, a motor and sticking it on a rack and running it and going, yeah, this looks great when I'm, you know, it's got full cooling and all the other bits and pieces and it's the way that we want it to be configured. And then somebody says, well, actually, we can't do it like that for the best way it's going to be this we have to move this and we have to change this and by the way we want you to uh, package that with um you know minimal airflow around all of the components um and it'll be being shaken around and driven around a track at things like this putting different kinds of stress on the engine um you can't test that without having it in a car and there just is no testing so um what what can you do it's it's always what's going to happen isn't it that you put something brand new in a car the chances are 
it's going to break or not be as good as you thought it was. <laughs> um, I think they never got the wick turned up on that engine. So the fact that they were able to do 23s, albeit late ones, um, is... Uh, or oh, sorry, uh, 24s, um, which is what most of the other pack were doing in their sort of middling runs. It wasn't the ultimate pace that they were doing in their sort of stripped down low fuel qualifying type laps. Gives me some hope that the car is not going to end up battling the, uh, well, uh, Marussia Manor. Uh, at the back of the grid <laughs> i don't think it's going to be that bad because i think the overall car is good it's just getting rid of things like faulty mguk valves and um sensors that uh, get too hot and stop working so you can't see what's going on in the car all the kind of things that testing really is kind of supposed to be for I, I, you know it's good to be able to fine-tune your car and get the top speeds and all the other bits and pieces but at the end of the day it's the only chance you get to shake down the car uh, in any meaningful way, um, you know, that doesn't affect a race day because you got you don't have infinite tires on a race day. So even if you try to do some testing, on, you know, during a weekend, you're going to end up using up half of your tire a lot allotment before you even get to qualifying. So uh, it's not good. Um, I certainly don't predict a good season. Um, I pretty much don't think it will be a terrible terrible season but it could be a bad season uh absolutely uh i recognize that things aren't as good as they could be but i don't think they're as bad as the mclaren naysayers would like it to be um you think they'll be uh easily behind williams uh, ferrari and red bull uh i Well, if you don't put the word easily on there, <laughs> uh, I think that's probably where they should aim yeah, I, and I say we should be ahead of Lotus and Sauber yeah. and Toro Rosso and Mauricio and Force India because we're a good enough team to be able to yeah. be ahead of those teams even if we're having a bad season, which is what last season proved, wasn't it? That as, as much of a dog as that car could be, it was still better than the best that Force India could do and the best that Toro Rosso could do. So, you know, I... <sighs> it's impossible for me to say that they should be ahead of any of those other teams because they showed no evidence that they should be. Um, I think they could. I think they could. I think the car looks good as much as, you know, my untrained eye can tell you about how good a Formula 1 car is just by looking at it but comparing it to the other cars I think it's got something that the others don't um, a lot of the others look very similar especially your Toro Rosso's Force India's Lotus's all look f a bit fatter and a bit more bloated and I think ultimately that's the kind of things that will tell and you know as long as the McLaren isn't breaking down after five laps and can finish a race then I think they've got a chance. <laughs> Should we discuss the drivers? Oh, we all, have to, all, don't we? All three of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Um, it's, don't, isn't it just remarkable after all of that we went through during the winter to decide who was going to drive the McLaren <laughs> yes, in the we're, season? Yes, we're starting off this with last happened. year's drivers. <laughs> I mean, it's absolute, you could not possibly make it up. It's, no. it's just remarkable. But, I mean, where to begin with Fernando? Well, you know, I love how people think that freak accidents can't happen. You know, it, it can't possibly be that... Um, a freak gust of wind could unsettle his car and cause him to crash, despite the fact that it happened to Carlos Sainz Jr. on exactly that same corner um, just the day before. Um, I love how people assume that um, because he stayed in hospital for uh, three to four days, it must be more than a concussion, because apparently everybody on the internet is a neurosurgeon now. <laughs> um, I love how people say um, he was slumped at the wheel because... Sebastian Vettel said he was when Sebastian Vettel absolutely cleared up and said by the way I didn't see the crash I was much farther behind and I only came around after he'd hit the wall <laughs> you know kind of after the point he was probably unconscious uh, so let's um, let's just stop being stupid internet he wasn't he didn't get an electric shock the car didn't explode or break or do anything it was an unlucky accident it was unlucky that he hit the wall side on because that is the way that the uh, suspension is strongest. It's either going to shatter or the entire load is going to go through the car and into the only thing that then uh, has free movement, which, funnily enough, is the driver uh, and probably to the bit of the driver that's least restrained, which is his head. So <laughs> it, it's kind of funny that somebody ends up with the, you know a scrambled brain amnesia and all the other species. And that was the... That was the other thing that really got my goat. Is people are saying, "Oh well, uh, Sergio Perez um, had a concussion at Monaco and he wanted to drive, uh, drive in qualifying," and I was just like, "Well, yeah, he wanted to, and then he was too sick to do it, even though he'd um, after the crash had been uh, originally asymptomatic of signs of concussion." You know, the doctors said, "Oh yeah, that's fine. We'll let him go on and and race," and then he was thrown up and feeling dizzy and stuff. So, uh, you know. The advancements in concussion treatment have advanced so far in the last few years. We've just been watching the Six Nations, where if somebody gets a head injury, they are taken off the pitch straight away and genuinely do not come back on. Mm -hmm. That is, yeah. they are off. Um, I was reading an article. The last piece of advice that was sort of generally available was in two thousand and eight, and it suggested that for a rugby player who has a concussion, it was a minimum of a week before they were allowed to go back to uh, full contact training. And they had to, t it was a step-by-step -step process where you monitored what they did at each stage. So like the first one was resting for a day, then the second one was light training, and then there was sort of training with no physical contact, and then there was sort of like, and then back to full training. And if any of those steps, anything didn't feel good, then the whole kind of process stops until you can get to the next stage without any bits and pieces. And that was in 2008, so we're talking, you know, five years ago now. It's just moved on. We understand that having your brain scrambled across the inside of your skull, it's probably not a good idea to put yourself in a position where that's going to happen again so soon. That doesn't mean that there's something wrong with him. It means he's had a concussion. And that was that was the, you know, that everybody gripped on is that Ron had come out and said he's absolutely fine. And then the doctors had said, oh, he's got, he, you know, he's had a concussion. And so everybody said, oh, well, Ron's lied. It's like, no, Ron hasn't lied. Think about it for a second, people. 
If some if people are asking if Fernando is all right, they're asking if there's something seriously wrong with him. Like, has he got brain damage? Has he broken his legs? Is there some thing? And none of those things were true. He'd had a concussion, which he was recovering from. So Ron is well within his rights to say he's fine. That doesn't mean he's fine to go back to racing the next day or Melbourne or any of those bits and pieces. You're just grabbing at little straws to try and build up an argument that makes for something more interesting maybe than the truth. But the truth is man has crash, man gets knocked out, man has appropriate medical treatment, man is advised not to take part in activity that could damage his his brain more. Done. Yeah, couldn't have covered it anymore <laughs> myself. I feel like that's all I've been talking about for the last two weeks. It's just... I've, <laughs> I've really lost the will to live with it um, to some extent because you just... Just people just won't... won't think about it for any two seconds. They go, <laughs> oh, well... I'm not buying it, and this is like, well, what bit are you? Bu- what bit aren't you buying? The the bit that the only evidence you've got has come from the doctors and the team, and everything else that anybody else has ever said is complete and utter supposition. Nobody knows apart from Fernando Alonso, McLaren, and his doctors, and eventually the FIA because they're doing the investigation into it. And <laughs> if Ron Dennis wanted to cover something up, he's not going to let the FIA investigate. And McLaren called for the investigation, so it's pretty much... It would be like the the US government being responsible for 9-11 and then turning over all of the documents that contain every piece of evidence to show that the American government was behind 9-11 to an independent investigator. It's like, you know that wouldn't happen if that was the case. So, you know, why why would they do it? Why would they go ahead and ask for an investigation if they knew that... That there was something behind it that was going to cause them problems, and a, an opportunity for K Mag to show what he can do. Well, um, that's good. I, you know, I'm happy for Kevin Magnussen to be given a shot. Um, I was sad for him that he didn't get the drive, but I understand why he didn't get the drive, and I think Kevin Magnussen understands why he can't get the drive. Um, somebody again was suggesting that this was incredibly important for K Mag that he has to do really well in this one race that he's got. Um, and I don't see it. He's the reserve driver for McLaren. Um, the two drivers in the car aren't going to be around for um, forever. Uh, certainly no more than two seasons in Jensen's case. Uh, and possibly not after the end of this season. Um, I would be surprised if McLaren signed a two-year deal with them. I suspect that they have uh, a one-year deal with a, an option to, to take him on. So I would suspect that Kevin Magnussen could be back in the seat next season uh, if they really wanted him to um, and and he's in the right place he's a McLaren young driver hanging around the McLaren garage learning all that he can from the two McLaren drivers two of the best drivers on the Formula 1 grid he's getting acquainted with all of the team again and, and getting to know you know the weekends from, from everything he can he'll get his chances in free practice to to drive the car so that he's familiar with it what else you know why go and i don't know race in gp2 or try and grab a seat in a sauber or a, or uh or the or the marussia or something like that just to say that he's going to drive it's not going to enhance his career to be in a crap car it's not going to enhance his career to be battling at the back of the grid um 
And I think everybody is more than aware of his talent and what he's capable of. You know, his rookie season wasn't outstanding, wasn't a Lewis Hamilton rookie season, but it was still pretty good in a crap car, you know? Uh, well, getting... I said the car Lewis drove was infinitely better than the car Magnuson <laughs> it, drove. So. By a, an order of magnitude better. <laughs> um, and getting beaten by Jensen Button is not a, you know, <laughs> is not exactly a... Um, uh, an, an impossibility, is it? You know, Jensen beat Lewis in the season that they raced together. He beat um, Barrichello in the season that they were at Braun when he won the title. You know, he, he's a really good driver and he's vastly more experienced. It would be much more shocking for Magnussen to have beaten him. Um, and he still did a very good job. You know, they were um, neck on neck on um, qualifying, weren't they? Right up until the last race. Um mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know, he's, he's not disgraced yeah, somehow. I think and... he did an absolutely fine job under the circumstances of having the car that he did. The car wasn't good. Uh, like you say, Jensen, he made Jensen absolutely, you know, pull out his A game mm. at the end of the season to, to ensure he got the drive. Like, this is, I mean, Jensen's won a world championship. It wasn't like he was racing up against some fool. So, <laughs> no, exactly. No, I think Magnus, I agree with you. I think Magnussen's, you know, He's better off doing what he's doing. And, you know, he's, lo and behold, he's got an opportunity now in the first race of the season by being the McLaren reserve driver and being in and around the team and doing all the things that come with being the backup. Yeah. And I think I think uh, I agree with you. You know, he's that's more beneficial to him than running around in a Manor F1 car or whatever. They're going to be at the back markers, the Sauber or the... Who else? I feel like I'm forgetting someone. But, yeah... Um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely. I don't think he needs to be worried. No, I went to that thing in uh, the end of last year, that uh, thing they did in Edinburgh with uh, with yes. Jensen and Magnus and the stuff, and the way it was presented, like you got, you just got the feeling that you know, Magnuson was he's part of the he's part of the team. Like you know, he's he's they're not going to be. They're not going to be Jaime Algarsvari and him out onto their scrap heap for McLaren. I think that's for sure. Put it that way. He's, he's, they know what they've got with him, and and I think he knows what he's got with them. So he's happy to sit and you know play the long game. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so he should be. I think they have a good. I think they must. The driver and team and team and driver. It's a good understanding both ways. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, absolutely. Um... Oh. Obi has a good uh, a good weekend in Albert Park, whether he whether he gets off the line or not under that Honda engine. <laughs> yes, wait and see. it's but, in, um, entirely possible, isn't it? But, and uh, okay. I, I think that's the other thing is that you know, um, what would be a good weekend for him? Probably finishing the points. race. <laughs> points, probably. <laughs> in, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, you know, a tenth yeah. tenth grabbing the last point would probably be quite a good, you know, result for for McLaren to make sure that they got there through the entire race and got to the end of it, let alone did it did well at all. So, you know, it's um it's horses for courses at this stage. I could you know, if it was a, a case that McLaren were the the world champions and stuff, I could understand why, you know, maybe he'd want to show really well in a front running car to show that he can win races in bits and pieces. But he's not gonna do that in the McLaren anyway. So, you know, what what's he got to really worry about? He probably won't be able to show off his talent anyway. It's a bit like when they shoved Heike and the uh in the Lotus and I mean you weren't expecting <laughs> miracle things from me. You just want to see a solid drive, and that's what 
that's what you want did. to see from Magnussen. Yeah, that's what you want to see from Magnussen this weekend. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I've lost my train of thought. Just, we'll just move on. <laughs> Fair dues. Um, <laughs> so, after McLaren in fifth, who do you think is next? Next. To the grid? I have an idea, and I think it may it may shock and surprise you, Sean. Is it sober? Oh God, damn it! <laughs> yes, yes, it yeah, is. I, uh, I think Sauber are best placed to uh, take that six. Do, do you know speed. why? Because they have a nice livery. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly have an interesting livery compared to everybody, everybody bloody else. It's just um, colourful. I just want to see some colour for goodness' sake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no. I mean, they seem to have a. They certainly judging on testing have. Got a better package. It couldn't have been much worse than well, it was last year. Let's no. be honest. That's that's the worst server we've seen in at least a ten long, years. Long yeah. time. Yeah. So um, it couldn't have been much worse. I don't see. Similarly, when I said Williams, Ferrari, you know, Red Bull, all don't see why they all can't beat each other and be on similar level. Lotus, Toro Rosso, Force India, Sauber, equally. I think they can all they'll all beat each other. They'll all be around similar mm-hmm. levels of pace, depending on different tracks or maybe suit different teams a little bit better than others. But uh, for me, it's impossible to say who will be the best out of all those. Gun to my head, I'd probably wouldn't say Cyber. Gun to my head, I'd probably say Force India, just because they've been the the sort of form team in that sense in the last couple of years, and I think they've got the strongest driver lineup out of everybody down that end of the grid. So, gun to my head, I'd say Force India to okay. be the best. To be the best of the rest outside the top five. Well, but I, I certainly think it's positive times at Sauber, more positive than it was before. Then, then let's cover Sauber then as our as our next team, and we'll do Force India next. Um, uh, best second best mileage in testing behind Mercedes. Um, always a good sign. Always a good sign. Well, it it certainly is when you consider that they are not driving a, McLar- uh, a Mercedes powered car. Um, Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, reliability was <laughs> terrible for them last year. Um, they were constantly breaking down and um, not making it to the end of end of races. Uh, and even when they did, they weren't doing <laughs> very very well. Um, so I, I think that reliability will give them an impetus to perhaps improve the car in other ways and not be so concerned about the raw engineering side of it, which was probably for a small team like Sauber a real big headache um, because there's not much they can do about it they don't think they've got the muscle to flex to fix those kind of problems it just the package they they need to have bought needs to be be good um, so that's 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 good news for them I think um, I think they've got a terrible drama of a lineup if I'm completely honest um, <laughs> yeah I, I think rate, it's pretty damn awful as well so I don't rate either of them particularly um, I think Nasser's Nasser has what, spectacularly well, failed not... not to win GP2 uh, over several seasons. He's come close several seasons, but not actually done it. Um, I still think he's certainly... I think he could be worse. I've seen worse drivers than Felipe Nasser drive. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's not F1 in the last Kyan, five years. Yeah, I mean, he's not even... To me, he's, he's certainly he's a better option than certainly Marcus Ericsson, who they've put in the other seat, well, also, yeah. for example. Uh, he's certainly, to me, he's certainly... Better than a Max Chilton or a whoever drove for Caterham. Who drove for Caterham? Marcus Ericsson. And who was the other one? Uh, Kamui Kobayashi. 
Oh, well, he's, look, he's probably not better than Kobayashi, but no. And, but yeah, I, my and point, I think my point is he's, he's not the worst. I've seen worse. <laughs> no, I, I think he got the drive based on the fact that he comes with a big checkbook, obviously. Yeah, and you know that at the end of the day, that's that's uh, the way the game is at the moment. And so. he had those good few races at the end of last season, but uh, I wonder how much um, his checkbook was paying for him to get the upgrades that maybe Kamui Kobayashi wasn't. Because mm-hmm. uh, Kobayashi wasn't, he wasn't paying anything to the team, or if he was, it was very, very little compared. Um, however, we say that it will be Marcus Ericsson and Felipe Neza. It might not be. Well, yeah, <laughs> this story is it's remarkable. Else, it? It's this is. I've never, honestly, I'd, I've never seen anything like it. To be honest, the last time it happened was, uh, ironically, was uh, Nick Heidfeld and Lotus. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But he uh, he he definitely wasn't looking for another drive with them. He was definitely looking for a monetary payoff, uh, which he got, I believe. Um, Guido wants to drive the car and has apparently had a contract for him. And I must admit, when he signed for Sauber, I didn't think he'd signed as uh, as a race as just a reserve driver. But I think it's possible that this story has also been slightly confused in that. I wonder if it's not so much the race seat per se, but Sauber just announced that they were going to have Raffaello Marciello um, do their FP1 in Melbourne. Mm. So he's not even getting the FP1 drive, which as a reserve driver you would expect. So, I, I, you know, um, Guido is coming with a, a fair um, whack of money with him anyway. Um and it appears he's just being trumped by other people paying for paying for drives and his contract now apparently doesn't mean anything. I I, I sympathise with him, absolutely. Um, but it's hard to see any team wanting to take on a driver that sued another team for breach of contract. It's a bit, it's a bit douchey, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it just gives you... It, it gives the impression of does not play well with others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> and I think that's a real shame because in all the interviews I've ever seen with Guido Vanegard, he's been brilliant. He's been yeah, really good fun. Yeah, he seems like fun. a good lad, yeah. Um, and I think he's better than Marcus Ericsson uh, and Felipe Neza, if I'm completely honest. Um, I yeah, think he did, probably. He did more with his time uh, in the car than uh, either of the others did. Um, so, I just... I don't know. I I feel really sorry for him that he feels that this is the only thing he can do. Um, but if he wins, what do you do? You you either take a big payoff, which is probably not what he really wants, uh, unless he can take that to another team and say, hey, by the way, would you like <coughs> £20 million of Sauber's money to develop your car? Here you go. Poor <laughs> Sunday, I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that does seem to be their only tactic of getting extra money into the team at the moment. So... Um, that's the you know that's the most interesting thing really probably about Sabo is now is that maybe we'll have Guido in and I assume he would have to go in instead of Ericsson given that basically uh, Felipe Nasr's livery is the car and his sponsor is the car um, I can't see them I can't see them being able to kick him out uh, without the team probably going into liquidation immediately. It's <laughs> um, amazing. This story is fantastic. <laughs> Fair play, you've got the brass balls to do it, but uh, well. well. I like Guido as well. Like you say, he's come across as a good chap, so we'll just wait and see where it goes. I can't see it going anywhere. I imagine it'll quietly get swept under some rug. Mm. Um, I th- I, like I said, I think it will end up in a payoff. 
because I think, I think what they'll say is what will eventually happen is is that because the other contracts have been signed um if they don't breach Gita's, they'll just breach somebody else's so i, I suspect true. the colt will say um okay we, we can't force them to put you in the car but we can force them to pay you what would have been you know the thing or they have to give you back all of your sponsorship money plus x in compensation for you not getting your drive whether that allows him to go on to another team or not i i don't know hopefully so, so. hopefully so really Cybers probably can't afford to be wasting too much money in no. courtroom battles as well. So <laughs> It does seem like great. a really stupid oversight, doesn't it? If you just thought that one of your drivers had a contract to drive, you wouldn't do something really stupid like sign two other drivers to try and make that impossible. It's either that or they'll end up swapping the drives, won't they? That, you know, Ericsson will do one race and Guido will do the other and whether that works out to be how they do it. Never um, been a big fan of that. No, I hate that. I think that. it creates, inconsistent, awesome. creates inconsistency and the, you just... The only nobody teams, gets into a rhythm. No. The only teams that that can work for is teams that have no interest in scoring points where it doesn't matter who you've got in the car because the car is never going to reach points. Therefore, the consistency of having a driver is beyond... <laughs> it just doesn't matter. So uh, sober then. <laughs> well, you know, I'm thinking, last season. Yeah, no, they should one. do better this season. Uh, like I say, how better? I don't know. I think it's very tight in that in that section between the Lotus and the Force India and the Sauber and the Toro Rosso. So where they come, I'm not sure yet. I can't possibly decide until until um, we see the pace on the track in Melbourne. Mm, indeed. Uh, so Force India, then uh, your pick for sixth place. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, it would be. If any teams had a worse uh, testing than McLaren, really, it's Force India. Um, didn't turn up until the uh, last test. Uh, the only running they'd done previously was in the the, the car from the year before. Uh, how useful that is, I have ap- I just don't believe that there is any use in running a previous year's spec car to test this year's rules. <clears throat> so it's all a bit pointless. Um, they got the car running. It wasn't too slow. It wasn't too fast. It didn't really break down. But I can't believe that they were pushing that car in any particular way um they certainly didn't trouble the top of the timesheets uh and i just i feel failed to see where that car is improving uh on the basis that they apparently can't afford to pay their supplies in advance yeah i read that story which is a bit concerning uh my only reason i said they'd be best of the rest was purely down to their driver lineup i think the driver lineup's too good not to have something and like you said they didn't turn up till the end of the tests but they didn't break down the reliability seemed pretty decent so milk engine yeah and the milk engine so there's enough there for me to think that well they probably will have a very very average season and probably their worst season in the, out of the last two or three years because they've been pretty decent in the last two or three seasons they'll probably be poorer than that but I still think they'll probably just about have have enough in the tank to to compete alongside those guys next to them. So I think I like their driver lineup, but I think it's a driver lineup that you need to have in uh, a car that's got potential. Um, I don't see Sergio Perez as a guy who can wring the neck out of a bad car. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg might he's had experience of you know outperforming a a poor car before. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it's actually a real shame that both of those drivers could be in a car that will, could end up being 
uh, a real disappointment because they're both quite exciting drivers and I you know um, I've got a lot of time for both of them um, but I just don't see it happening for, for Force India this season um, and I can't say to be entirely honest with you that a little bit me doesn't find that slightly amusing after them being so publicly uh, against uh, Manor GP getting back on the uh, the, the track um, <clears throat> because I think that's just that's just pettiness for trying to steal somebody else's money um, no matter <laughs> what but Bob Fernie would like everybody else to think I, I just don't I don't see why they have that much uh, of a problem with it uh, even if other teams did they said that they were the first to stick their hands up so at that point you know everything is moot so I, I would find it quite amusing if Manor GP came in happened to find some piece of uh, engineering um gold uh, and ended up outscoring uh, Force India as they have a terrible season um, would make me laugh just a little bit <laughs> I'm, I'm not that you know I don't want to go bust I, I, I want them on the grid let's you know I'm not that sour grapes about it but it would be funny to me if Mauricio finished ahead of them it's not something that Greatly concerns. Um, I, I, basically, I couldn't care either way what happens between the two teams. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not, you know, someone. I've seen someone post somewhere that Mana or Marussia, I'm not quite sure what exactly we're going to call them yet. Um, someone said they're going to be everybody's favourite second team now because of the underdog stuff and that. And I'm just, I'm just not that interested, unfortunately. Uh, they make it to the grid good if they don't that's because you're scottish sean you are the underdog i'm just not bothered <laughs> I'm, I'm a ferrari fan i've been supporting <laughs> the underdog for the last 24 months i've already got one underdog I don't need another one <laughs> nah, i just i mean i'm yeah that's fair enough it's I'm, not I'm, 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 those I'm kind tired. of little... yeah i'm a bit tired of the whole will they won't they <laughs> go bust not go bust kind of equation that is Work for Ross and Rachel, to be fair, but maybe not so quite as exciting in Formula One. I just can't. I mean, if they get to the grid, I can't see them. No, you know, they're going to be awful. Either yeah, way, they're so. surely going to be like. <laughs> but that's that's why you shouldn't block their ability to get back on the grid. You should just let them go to the grid, be awful, and then go bust. Then that's well, fine. Yeah. That's not a problem. Just don't stand in the way of them doing that because you wanted your, you know, <laughs> your ninth share of their their winnings from the previous season. <laughs> it's, it's very sort of you know. Picking up, like picking up a bit of food somebody's dropped on the floor yeah. to eat it, kind of thing. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just not cool, is it? It's no. <laughs> very scavengy, pikey. Can you say yeah. pikey these days? No, you've probably got us in a lot of trouble there. So, uh, <laughs> um, moving on very quickly, then. Uh, so, uh, really, um, as we've said, Mauricio Manor are going to be last. So. Toro Rosso and Lotus are left. Left. Which of those two do you think is going to have the better season? Uh, probably Lotus, just based on the fact that they've swapped engines, haven't they? They've got the Mercedes back mm. in the end, in the back of that car now. So looking for some improvement there. Pastor Hopefully. did put in a in a couple of very you know a very fast laps, and, and Grosjean wasn't too far behind. So. Um, I, don't I think could easily this... see. I could... Sorry, carry on. Well, I was just going to say, they obviously they're the interesting ones, aren't they? Because um, they are the the team that's gone from Renault to Mercedes. 
Uh, and obviously the interesting thing there was that obviously last season they had a terrible car with a terrible engine. Now they've got a great engine. Now we kind of get to see whether they can build a good car. Yeah. Um, yeah, they could They could be anything, really. It could be... They could be ahead the of the right... Red Bulls. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Could, it could be they, as, as big a leap as that. They could be right there with the McLaren, even the Ferrari and the Williams and Red Bull. Or they could be right down the back where they were last year and anywhere in between. It's, it's a really difficult one to judge where they're going to be. Maldonado, we all know, he is... Well, know our opinions of him as a Formula One driver, but I think in Roman Grosjean they've got someone who's genuinely pretty decent. So, yes, I'm, I'm, I hope they have a good car because I feel like after the crap Roman put up with last year, he deserves a bit <laughs> of a decent car. Yes, because he was really coming into his own the year before, really getting consistent, really getting a lot of podiums and uh, general generally good drives where he it, he looked very assured in his ability. And wasn't making the kind of erratic mistakes that he'd perhaps made mm. previously. I mean, we all remember he didn't have a one race ban at one point for being such a <laughs> he did indeed such yes. a fool. So, um, yeah, I'd I'd re- I'd really like to see Roman with a car that can actually do something. So I hope I hope I hope it's good. Uh, I can't see how it could possibly be any worse this year. Certainly with the Lotus, uh, with a Mercedes engine in the back, they must surely be looking at this. And the list of teams right now and going, we have to be a minimum of sixth, given Cyber's bad last season, Force India's woes and testing, Toro Rosso are always just going to be, they're never going to be any anywhere other than they always are, just meandering in that little spot of theirs. So Lotus have to be aiming for behind McLaren, and on a, and if they can, if they can bring it, then why can't they complete with McLaren? And that's that's what they should be aiming at. Yeah, uh, oh, it pretty much sums it up for me, really. I think they've, they've got a shot. They, they've they ditched the one thing that they couldn't control in the engine <clears throat> to go to what's clearly far and away the best package, even when not done, you know, put in the same, exactly same configuration as the actual Mercedes. Um, and uh, there is a little bit of me that thinks that maybe um, last season's car dropping off from such a high performance point that perhaps they just went designing in the wrong direction. The car this year is much more like the other cars on the grid. It's not some funny, weird design. It's it's much more like um, the design that you're seeing around everything else. So, you know, I, I, I think if they ended up coming sixth they would be massively relieved and figure that a a really good season if they do anything more than that it's a massive massive bonus i uh, I agree yeah i I think i know i said gun to my head force india but (laughs) now we're now we're talking about it (laughs) now we've actually discussed it at length i think maybe it's always this i don't know um that one good thing is it's making me more interested in the the lower half of the the half of the, the grid so uh now now that we've had this conversation i'm going to be watching the race on the weekend and thinking is it going to be force india it's get it's given me a little bit of a vested interest to see because normally i'm not that not that fussed by the lower the lower scraps so yeah I'm, it's, it's an interesting one Oh, I've just I've just clicked on Twitter, and there are pictures of the uh, Manager GP um, 
chassis. Okay. So they are in Australia with with their car. Admittedly, it has no front nose, uh, no engine in it, and no wheels at the moment. But <laughs> who's tweeted that? Um, I'm actually looking it on uh, Badger GP, but I think it was on uh, try uh, at F1 Paddock Pass. Ah, yes, I see. Oh, it's like a pretty cool account to follow. Yeah, I'm just thinking I might actually, uh, um, I might actually start following them as well. Anyway, um, so they're there anyway. At least they're on the well, the, the right side of the world. What are we saying? They're um, they're going to be faster than a Catrum. Mm, that's certainly true. <laughs> their, their stuff went up for sale this week, I think, didn't it? it? Yeah, it really did. Um, I did wonder if I could get a uh, thirty. Thirty thousand pound loan to um, buy a twenty fifteen chassis, but I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, twenty fourteen chassis. But I'm pretty sure my wife would have probably told me I'm not allowed to do that. Um, quite where <laughs> just, I put it as well. I was going to say just put it in your living room. And that'd be it. it. That's what I do. Yes, that's exactly it. I would. Do, that's where I would sit to watch TV. I would just be sat in a Formula One car, essentially. <laughs> Especially you could watch F1 from a Formula One car. There that's can't be any better experience than that, can there? Really. What would be even better is if you could put on a helmet that hen had the TV screen in it, so you could sit in there watching it with the helmet visor down, and it played on the uh, on the inside of the visor. That'd be awesome. If if you're listening, you know, uh, inventors out there, get this made. I, I think you'd have one. to pay extra to get the wheels with it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, probably. Or would, or would you have to set it up on those like little, like on on the little <laughs> stilts that they have? Yeah, the, <laughs> the, 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 the metaphorical equivalent of bricks. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, uh, maybe. I, I suppose it would depend how much Formula One car you got for what you bought. That's <laughs> it. Uh, so give them enough money, and they will give you anything. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's probably true. Um, <laughs> so moving on to the last team that we haven't really covered, uh, Toro Rosso. Uh, again, fairly poor testing. Uh, didn't really show anything. Um, have the most inexperienced uh, driver lineup there's probably ever been in Formula One. I can't think of a, a less experienced lineup. Because um, even Lewis Hamilton was hanging around the McLaren setup before he got in the car. You know. Um, and Max Verstappen has done nothing. <coughs> Just a boy, isn't he? Really, he, he really. Um, he is. He is. He's he's just a tiny little teenager that's somehow being given the, uh, one of the world's most expensive, and intricate pieces of technology. I mean, to be fair, um, he didn't. Um, I don't think he crashed it, or if he did, he didn't do anything too bad to it. Um, Carlos Sainz obviously did, but he was a victim of the. Uh, of the wind at Barcelona, so it's a bit harsh on him. Um, yeah, I, I can't see them. I think doing they're just going to be just going to be the same as they always are, as far as I'm concerned. They're just they're going to be there. They'll sneak a couple of points here and there. You know, gen they're just going to qualify like fifteenth, sixteenth. Mm. See, there was a time when you could be quite 
genuinely interested in the Toro Rosso when they had Buemi and Aguasuari in the car. Yeah, I agree, yeah. I must have been, I was looking at that team thinking, oh, wouldn't it be really nice if the B team could make could really get themselves in to be a decent midfield team? Uh, they, they're just generally the least interested of all the teams for me because... Well, they've been treated as, yeah, as such a B it. team. They're, 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 they're branded as being inferior, so why should we bother, you know, as, yeah. as spectators and as fans? What we should treat them as inferior because that's the way they're treated themselves. So it's very difficult, it's difficult to, be to maintain in, an enthusiasm. Yeah, it's difficult to interest in because you can't. You, you know that every two years the driver lineup's going to change, so you can't really invest yourself in the drivers. That's true. Um, and you know it's a hand-me-down team. They don't have the same budget as uh, Red Bull, which sucks for them. Um, but uh, but it just means that you just know that they're never going to make the strides that Red Bull did because nobody's pouring that money in. Um, yeah, so I mean, they are just—they are just a team to stick people in and see if they—if they're all right in a Formula One car. And you can't support a team like that. It would yeah, be—it would be like testing. supporting as your first team the Manchester United Under Twenty One team. <laughs> like, well, yeah. What's the point? You know, yeah, there might be some good draw, you know, some good players in there, but they're not really playing in the same league as everybody else. It's just—it's just pointless. I agree. I agree. Like I say, least interesting for me and the team I least care about. There's nothing redeeming for me and as that, that, that captivates my interest as a fan, whereas at least with Sauber, I'm going, oh, <laughs> at the minimum, that's a cool livery. And, you know, I'm going, oh, they've got, you know, um, like Felipe Nazar's come up from GP2. I'm at least interested to see how he does. Mm-hmm. Like, say, with Toro Rosso, you know, like that, the lineup isn't going to last. So what's the point? And like Lotus, you've got, oh, they've switched to the Mercedes engine. How's that going to be? Are they going to bring back the spark they had a few years ago? Force India, two very capable drivers that you're interested in. At least some of these teams down the bottom have something there that you can at least look at, whereas you get you got nothing with Toro Rosso. They're just not interested in anything they do, except maybe to see how, like, I suppose, Max Verstappen, being as young as he is, you could maybe say you're interested in seeing if he does but there's not a lot going for them no no uh i'm certainly not going to be looking out from the way that i used to so there you go well that, that's all of the teams really isn't it so uh um, i mean not but who's going to drive the manor do we know um will stevens i think is the only one that they've announced um, there were some rumours going around about um, some guy coming over from um, a Renault team, Mayer or, or Mayer, something like that. Um, I know absolutely nothing about either of them, so let's <laughs> let's just pretend. Um, okay. Uh, well, just... if they get anybody, if they get the car set up with someone able to drive it, that's an achievement, I guess. So. Oh, you, I found out something interesting. Do you remember um, Andre Lotterer drove for Caterham? Yeah, he was quite good. Season? I mean, he only had one race, but he outperformed his teammate, I believe, at the time, didn't he? Uh, do you know, interestingly, um, he was one of three drivers up for the drive in Benetton. Uh, oh, was it Benetton or Sauber? Between, uh, it was him, Alonso, and somebody else. Uh, Button, it might have been. Uh, it must have been Benetton then. So they kicked Button out, and they were considering between Alonso and Andre Lotterer. So ah. <laughs> that's how close those two careers could have been. 
<laughs> but Mad but day. for the flick of a coin, Andre Lothra could have been a two-time world champion, and Fernando Alonso could have been driving a catering for one race. <laughs> Mental. <laughs> I just just thought I'd like to share that. I I had no idea about that, but I just looked at him and was just like, dear God, of all the three drivers to have in there, there's two, two ex-world champions and one poor guy who got got one one lap in a catering room. He looked like he had a bit of ability, and certainly in the qualifying session he. He looked better than uh, certainly anything they'd had all season, which admittedly wasn't saying much. But yeah, that's the way careers go, isn't it? It's the fine margins in this in sport. It absolutely is, says Paul DeResta. Uh, that's it, Paul DeResta. Yeah, I mean, I'd completely forget. Exactly, and it's been one even, season. Uh, and one that season. Hasn't even crossed my mind in the last twelve months. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, race this weekend. Race. Oh yes. Race. Mm, I love race. the Australian. I love the, the early start ones on the subcontinent because I get to Friday afternoon and I'm thinking qualifying starts soon, <laughs> even though it's only Friday night. It's brilliant. I love it. It is pretty good. It is pretty good. Um, I think it's a, a track that we both said that we liked, although I don't think we actually put it in any of our top three tracks, did we? When we uh, did, I think, our... I think I probably did. Did you? I suspect it might have been my number one. No. Surely you said Spa as your number one, didn't you? It would have either been Spa or Albert Park, so I can't really? remember off the top of my head. Okay. Speak to me on a different day, and yeah. I'll say Spa, and speak to me on a different day, I'd possibly say Melbourne. I yeah. love this track. I really love this it, track. I, I mean, I like it. Um, it probably isn't the best pure racing track on the calendar by any by any stretch of imagination, but it always seems to have a, a certain something about it. It always has something interesting happening about it. And I don't know whether it just that's just because it benefits from being the first race of the season, so people crash out more often or any of the bits and pieces. But it just it always seems like it's a good race. Um, yeah, definitely. It's one of those ones that I'm, I can go into confident of having a good race. Like Yes. You get some tracks that you might get a good race, but you might get a stinker. I, don't, I never have to worry about having a stinker at Australia. No, no, even its more boring races are still quite interesting. Yep. And like you say, that may be because of its place on the calendar. But who cares why it is? It just, <laughs> just enjoy that it is good. So, so this will be an interesting one. Uh, I'm going to ask you to give me your top five. For the whole for, race? For the race, yeah. Rather than uh, top three, because, <laughs> because <laughs> two of those choices are freaking obvious. <laughs> this could um, this could set the tone for how the whole season's going to go. It could it could set the tone for how much abuse you will receive over Twitter as well. Number one, Nico Rosberg. There we go. That, that's <laughs> that done then. Number two, Lewis Hamilton. Number three, Sebastian Vettel. <sighs> number four, Valtteri Bottas. Mm. And number five. Daniel Ricardo. Interesting. Hmm. What do you say? Okay, well, I'm going to go for uh, Lewis Hamilton. Nico Rosberg. Mm-hmm. Valtteri Bottas. Felipe Massa. I think the Williams will be that good. Yes. That can... And then I think... I'm going to go with Vettel as well. To beat Danny Rick on his I home. I just don't. Course. I just. 
Oh, you know Aussies in their home track. It's never usually a great combination, to be fair. Um, I, I don't know. I just... You know how McLaren shocked everybody by getting the uh, the, the second and third, essentially? Um, yeah, it was all downhill from there, wasn't it? Yeah. But that's the kind of thing I can see happening, is that they'll come up for the first race really buoyed and full of issues, and it'll go really well for them. And then maybe it won't go so well in the in the following races once everything's settled down a bit. So I can just see Vettel being able to maybe just um, just do something. I don't know. That just kind of feels that feels how it should be to me in in in, in a way. In that 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 new Vettel, new car, mm-hmm. fifth place. No, that's hey, I've gone for him in third. So bring it on. I hope so. Yeah, I just I just get the feeling the Williams are actually going to be um, just better than every everybody else this season. <clears throat> Maybe not by much, but I think they'll be so much more reliable and uh, and know so much more about their package because they've had to change less. First think, race that counts for so much. I think I might put a bet on Sebastian to be the best driver with the the top driver without Mercedes. Just uh, you know, since I've been talking him up and talking Ferrari up. Yeah, you probably might, should do. Might put the money where the mouth is. He's got as good a chance as any around there. I mean, Bottas is probably the the favourite, but I think Vettel could that could be a good bet. So maybe do that. He'll certainly, I think, be possibly the best of the non-Mercedes cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's more Ricardo, uh, really, isn't it? It's, it's. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, it'll be quite interesting if those two end up actually dueling across the season, but in two different cars. Yeah, that is quite fun. That yeah, would be quite true. fun after after having after being stomped <laughs> in the same car. It would be quite quite fun to see them race side by side, but in in completely different machinery. I'd like that actually. That would be a fun a fun battle to follow through the season. Um, so the last thing that we should do is what does this track look like? <laughs> uh, now that we've done it for a whole season, we're just going to get the same ones again. <laughs> well, I would like to do it for a whole season so that you get at least one season where we do all the tracks because we started halfway through last season. So Did we? we? Where, oh, yeah, we, I think we started around Spa or something like that. So um, it, it was definitely the European races. We didn't do them for anything else, I don't think. Oh, okay. That's um, we we're starting with a bit of a crap one because the Melbourne Park circuit doesn't look like anything. It's just like a blob, isn't it? It's not uh, the closest I came up for was that it was like um, those funny uh, Japanese shoes that have like the single step in the middle instead of a sole. So they're like sandals, but they have a big wooden block that sits right in the arch of the of the foot, and they look a bit like that. <laughs> I'm um, struggling to come up with anything. Mm. Uh, be a good ice scraper. <laughs> and there is a bit of a bottle opener on the left-hand side, isn't Support- there? So. It's me twisting the laptop up in there. Oh, don't do that. You just made the recording go funny. <laughs> Sean's dead, everybody. He's died. I'm, I'm sorry. We couldn't save him. No, it's a difficult one, isn't it? There's not much there. <laughs> you could have to do something about your headset. It's got a long, continuous beep. It sounds like your life support has just failed. 
There we go. He's he's back, everybody. He's alive. <laughs> no, it doesn't look like much. It's not the greatest one in the world. Hopefully, the race uh, the racing on the track makes up for its poor <laughs> poor comedy value as a circuit. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, <laughs> on that note, let's uh, let's wrap up uh, the second episode of the third season of the last lap podcast uh, thank you very much for tuning in uh, i hope you will tune in for the rest of the season to hear our thoughts on, uh, on the races as they come through and obviously uh, any news stories that that come out during the season we'll uh, attempt to cover those as in depth as possible um if you're listening to us then hopefully you, you've already subscribed to the podcast one way or t'other uh, but if you haven't you can find us on uh itunes uh just simply search for the last lap podcast uh, and then you should find us and then you can click subscribe and then you'll get the podcast delivered to uh, your device uh, whenever we release an episode you can uh, catch every single episode will be posted on our website um, and we have our own website now which is www.thelastlappodcast oh wait a minute is it the last lap I don't even know the name of my own website Sean this is not good <laughs> uh, I can't remember if it's the uh, hmm, uh, uh, no, sorry, it's www.lastlappodcast.co.uk. Uh, note the in the title of that one. Um, you can like, and we hope you do, like our Facebook page. Uh, just, again, search for The Last Lap Podcast uh, and just like us. We post all of our episodes up there, plus uh, anything that Sean and I think is uh, interesting to talk about in Formula 1 uh, and is certainly one of the better places to uh, interact with us. So if you have any comments about anything that we've said, uh, or you disagree with strongly with anything that we've been uh, talking about, please come on and uh, let us know. We'll endeavour to try and chat to you about it and uh, talk to you about it and um, and discuss anything that you like. Um, and you can also do that via Twitter. We have a uh, podcast uh, Twitter handle, which is at LastLapPodcast. Um, we post anything interesting that we see on Formula One on there, so it's a good place to catch up with interesting news stories. Not necessarily all of the latest breaking ones, but if we see something interesting that we think maybe isn't being covered anywhere else, we'll certainly pop it up on there. Um, or you can talk to us directly if you don't want to talk about Formula mm -hmm. One per se or just want to have a chat about anything else. Uh, you can catch us. Uh, I'm at Man Called Megs. And uh, new season, I did promise. <gasps> no. New Twitter handle. I say a new Twitter handle. It's it's old. It's an old username that I've resurrected. So uh, you can now find me at, at Firebolt Willow. So there we go. Resurrected that from uh, from past days because uh, I did promise I was going to come up with a new one. I struggled to think of a new one. So that's uh, that's where you'll find me and my my ramblings. So well, indeed, and I I would like the first competition of the year to be uh, users to tweet us with. What the hell you think Sean's Twitter handle actually comes from? Uh, and <laughs> there, is there is a story behind it. Sean will reveal the origins of his Twitter handle uh, at some point during the season. So uh, tune in to find out exactly why. It's, he... it's, a, it's a fun story. <laughs> no, Excellent. It's not, Brilliant. It's not, <laughs> but, uh, you know, at least there is a story. Sell it, Sean. <laughs> sell it. Come on. <laughs> Keep them interested. Keep them interested. I might uh. just reveal how lame I am. <laughs> well, on that note, let's uh, let's wrap things up. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, keep an ear out for the next podcast podcast coming out after the Australian GP. So again, thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye.